The battle for the mind of North America will be fought in the video arena. The video drone. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, the television screen is part of the physical structure of the brain. Therefore, whatever appears on the television screen emerges as raw experience for those who watch it. Therefore, television is reality, and reality is less than television. And welcome back to the Fruity Dashi Podcast. I'm Nicholas. I'm here with Lauren. Say hello, Lauren. Hello, Lauren. <laughs> I, I had a, when you paused, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're, oh, wait, you're, you're thinking of something. <laughs> I was thinking of something. Also, I wanted to shout out to the Zencaster audio bar where it already looks like my audio is way better. And I am so exciting. Yeah. Um, so um, today we wanted to talk about virtual reality. Ooh. Ooh. So Not- spooky. <laughs> so Not even a Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, well, yeah, we kind of already did our Halloween thing already. We are recording this like at the end of October. So that's part of why we're in a spooky mood. Um, but the reason why I specifically wanted to talk about VR, the many, many trials and travails of virtual reality it's because we're going to do a topical episode. We rarely do topical episodes. We mostly just talk about whatever we want to feel we feel like. But given the fact that recently um, a certain company, formerly known as Facebook, I'm never going to call it Meta, has um, had a few problems, shall we speak, with its stock price, largely as a result of its attempts to sort of pivot towards the quote unquote metaverse. Um, And this has apparently not made investors particularly happy, especially given a lot of reports and a lot of like leaked messages and statements that have come out from people who work specifically at Facebook. Again, not going to call it meta. Um, As a result of what seems to be, I mean, okay, so when Lauren and I were talking about this beforehand, I described it as the failure of of VR. And I know Lauren is going to to bristle at that characterization. but okay, but hear me out because so one of the chapters that we wrote for the book project is about is about VR, is about virtual reality. And more specifically, it's about the absolutely bizarre experience that I personally had, one in trying to like find hardware that I could use without actually having to purchase it myself, um, because it's kind of expensive. And I wasn't going to spend $400 just for like to write one chapter of a book. That's ludicrous. So there's that. But then also the fact that like I, you know, have certain neurological conditions, one of which being height vertigo, um, that makes playing virtual reality games a bit of a struggle. And so for me, like 
playing the various games that I did at the engineering library at the University of Iowa. Shout out to them, by the way, because they were very, very helpful. Librarians are always great. Um, but the experience of for basically the, the Oculus Rift, which was specifically what I used, um, was deeply unpleasant, even though the games that I played, I actually really liked. But the, the experience itself was so unpleasant that, you know, when this recent thing happened with Meta, I was like, well, obviously, because virtual reality sucks. <laughs> but I know, Lauren, you you disagree with that. And so I want to give you I think little... the current. Yeah. So what I would say is what's well, interesting. One, like shout out to you calling the company formerly known as Facebook, the name in which you <laughs> said you would never call them. Um, so for me, what I would say is virtual reality isn't at its peak yet. Like it isn't, it really isn't at its height. And yeah. every studio has a different experience. I've heard if you've played like Vader Immortal, from example, from the X Labs with like ILM, I've actually heard that experience is a lot better than playing just even other games on Oculus Rift. That being yeah. said, right, your neurological condition, like, does make, I mean, it makes playing anything with like a complete simulated, say, headset environment. What yeah. I would say is the current focusing of anybody trying to get into VR from a marketing standpoint as the metaverse, I think this is where we align. Um, it's like, have they never played an MMO? <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I mean yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, right? And I think yeah. that there, you don't need an Oculus headset to feel immersed in an experience. Yeah. And if you do, there's something... Like, I think it's very fundamental to say that there is something, I mean, like, there is something wrong with you. Um, that's not true. <laughs> well, the, no, but, it is true, but it's just but, not not true in the way that you are implying. <laughs> yeah, it's not true in the way that I am implying. I think that it's that if you need to feel like you are in the real world, in a fake world experience, yeah. that there is something so intrinsically tying you to the real world, right, that you cannot see right? The trees for the forest kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's where we see where your argument, right, comes to that VR is failing. Because it's not that it's, for me, you say VR has failed. It's not that it has failed. For me, it is failing. And I think yeah. that there okay. is an yeah. experience, right, where we will achieve that. Unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, game developers are just now, it's going to be the chip. Like, we're going to insert it into our brains and then hooray. I, or just plug <laughs> it into the matrix. And I was like, I don't think it's going to be that physical. However, I do think that more technology that was really promising, like um, the HoloLens from Microsoft that is now no longer for, it was so good that it now has to be owned by the people that pay the real money, which is the military. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, ah, yes, games makes billions of dollars, but you know what else well, makes and billions actually, of okay, dollars? No, I'm, I'm glad that you yeah. brought, up, brought up the military because the military is one of the strangely one of the few venues where vr actually has met some very limited success um because of the fact that the military makes use of a lot of like simulation systems you know not just the not just the air force but also you know army marines and so forth like they it's i guess you could say cheaper to train someone in a simulated environment than it is to sort of you know build the like large scale like operational like um, zones that they sometimes use for like uh, war games and things like that. This is not to sort of, I don't know. I, 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 very, I have very mixed feelings about all this because one of the, the ways in which uh, like the his, the most recent history of video game design is very closely linked to the military, particularly through, uh, what is that? What is that lab at USC called? I can't remember. 
I mean, I know that you're going, Lauren. You should know this. However, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not expecting. Okay, you to know I, I there, have there no a, idea. There's a lab, it's either at USC or UCLA. No, there is a lab. Yeah, that specifically collaborates with the United States military in order to develop various like gamified systems. They're not always games, but they are generally gamified in some way. And like I said, I have extremely ambivalent feelings about that. One because I personally don't believe that that's the kind of experience that games really should be going after. Um, and yet at the same time, it's extremely popular. I mean, based solely on like the popularity of things like call of duty and modern warfare two is probably going to be one of the biggest games ever. And in the moment, it, like, you know, so yeah, I but know. I mean like, so looking at that aside, right? Like the big thing that I have for Nicholas, right. is always like for me, like he's coming at it from like the academic perspective. Right. And I am yeah. like the game designer. So like, let's look yeah. at VR as a game design experience. Right. Yeah. Because this isn't the first time that we've actually encountered a VR problem. This is the first time yes. we've encountered the brain as a problem. And the reason why I say this is because the body as a controller is the necessary, is a necessary like evil of VR. And I call it an evil because the body as a controller is in things like Dance Dance Revolution, arcade yeah. machines, right? Things yeah. where you have a screen and you're following very specific prompts. The Wii, right? The Wii revolutionized the body as a controller, right? Why yeah. hasn't Nintendo done VR yet? Maybe they will, right? Like they're going to create the Wii and it's going to be Wii VR. I don't know. It won't, it won't be called that because Nintendo's marketing team is much better than Lauren <laughs> coming up with something in two minutes. Um, yeah. But the point being, right, is if we break it down into its game design like philosophies, virtual reality has like these three principles as a game designer, right? And that's inherent to the nature of virtual reality. As your body is the controller, right? Yeah. The haptic feedback is limited to very specific, say, controls that you must create. Yeah. And third, right, is that your eyes are the screen, right? Now, yeah. you're probably going like, Lauren, you're kind of just describing like walking around in the real world. And I am. Because now the academic problem is the simulacrum of the simulation, right? Is like, yeah. what are you trying to recreate? And the military yeah. applications of this that Nicholas points out are not just in so much the, like, they're not an escape. It's not Skyrim. It's a very practical and very, like, real, right, simulacrum for something where your body is the controller as a soldier, your eyes yeah. are the screen, right? Microsoft's HoloLens now has the HUD for Call of Duty as you go out to war. Yeah. And, I mean, okay, I'm saying that I actually don't have any contacts there. Please, <laughs> please don't find me, um, right? It, is, it yeah. easily could. It easily could, yeah. It easily could, right? And then your the haptic feedback is literally the weapon that you are carrying, right? Yeah. Whether it's, like in a simulated like environment that you do for practicing at boot camps, right? Or, yeah. or not. And I think that also, right, the military has the biggest controller budget, if you think of it this way, than any game studio ever will have. And that's called, they can give every single one of their players a personal like Skyrim suit and like G-forced, you know, orthographic <laughs> right ball that you plug into, right? Like we yeah, can't yeah, just yeah. ship that to our consumers and be like, hey, could you play this awesome 3D <laughs> treadmill like yeah. applies the haptic feedback skin suit? Like that's what I'm saying. Like VR is failing because its current aspirations are so large that for me, it's not hitting the fundamental game design principles, right? And the hardware yeah. can't keep up. So it's like a software hardware problem. 
I don't think it is a software hardware problem. And I want to go back to something that you said about like the body being the controller, because I think that actually is a good point of entry for, I think, where the problem actually is. Yeah. OK, let's and my, do it. Yeah. And, my, and my vertigo can help explain this because, OK, so for those of you who aren't familiar with how vertigo, like there are various kinds of vertigo, but base, but at a very basic level, what it is, is you're experiencing one form of sensory information. Well, actually, no, that's not true. At all times, your body is taking in various forms of sensory input, um, either through the eyes, you know, your basic senses, but also like various forms of touch. You also have various like homeostatic things like in terms of balance and so forth. So, for example, if like the, the, the goo sloshing around in your inner ear is doing one thing, but your eyes are seeing something that doesn't actually match the goo sloshing around in your inner ear, like that is an experience of vertigo because those two things normally in your day-to-day life, like if I wiggle my head around really quickly, my eyes will see a like distorted view of like the world wiggling around me and the goo in my ear will also be wiggling. So those two things match. But if I'm in a virtual reality environment where like I'm seeing one thing, but my body, which is still anchored in a physical place in the real world, doesn't experience that as well then there's a fundamental disconnect between those two things your brain is like what the fuck is going on here and it causes you to pass out because it's like and the the passing out is really important it serves an important neurological function because essentially it's your brain saying we have to reset like something got fucked up in the neural pathways so we have to reset we'll reboot and then when you come to again everything will make sense and so when lauren says that your body is the controller that is right in an important aspect, but it's also wrong in an important aspect. It's right in the sense that VR systems nowadays, I mean, it used to be the case that VR systems were almost too visually focused. Whereas nowadays, like developers have at least realized that you need to have a much more like sensory encompassing experience in order for like the whole thing to work. And it's also why, even though it's kind of awkwardly implemented, like they have a system for like actual hand gestures or like the, the fact that now, you know, it's not just a, a headset with like, you know, a vision, a visual apparatus. It also has an auditory apparatus. So that way, when you turn your head, the sounds around you change as well as the, like the visuals. But the problem is, is that's still not quite enough. Like the the external apparatus can't deal with the disconnect between what the sensory information that it is feeding you through, like the the, the, the system that you have on your head, and then the sensory information that you're taking in from the the simple fact that you're like in a particular place that is not part of that simulated experience. And the thing is, you can overcome that disjuncture like you can learn to tolerate it but it's always going to be a fundamental problem until as lauren said you know we get chips implanted in our brains and everything can be sort of like fed to us directly in sort of the way in which our bodies need it to be fed to us yeah and i i'm not sure exactly like which part of my your body is the controller is like both right and wrong in that like when I think of VR and I think of bodies, I just don't understand exactly which part you disagreed with me. And the okay. reason why is because your body is the controller and you're, because it is a simulated experience, the fundamental like query I'm ask, I'm saying is that yeah. your body is not in control, right? Now, oh, okay. we, then, then that's just yeah. me misunderstanding what you said. No, 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 no. That's fine. I didn't, ex- I didn't explain it. I was just like, look, yeah. like here's like some three things and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then you're saying like things that I was thinking, which is cool. 
And I was like, I don't think I'm disagreeing with you right now. But this yeah. is what happens, guys. We're yeah, like yeah. arguing on the podcast. This is what we do. It's basically like a Zoom <laughs> designs discussion, which I love. But yeah. I actually want to really dig into what you just said right there. With your body is in control, your body is not in control. What is right? The silicone. What is the simulated environment? Let's look at some successful VR examples. And when I say successful, I'm like, ah, here. But um, <laughs> I want to really, really hone into, right, this uh, this incredible, like, I say incredible, like, ragtag team of people, which, like, then just fits into the Star Wars trope. But I really want to go into ILM XLab because they have really helped with a lot of the simulated, like, VR escape rooms, right? And they also helped a lot with Disney World making Disney World attractions specifically for like Batu and in Star Wars, yeah. making those feel like you're there. And one of the key elements, right, of all Disney Imagineering is to simulate wherever they're trying to place you in the Disney universe, right, simulating it to the most authentic possible. And what they do in Batu is really fascinating is they actually change the air pressure when you go from Hollywood Studios or yeah. the outside the outside of the planet, <laughs> right? Okay, to the inside. They actually change the air slightly so that the first like intake of air that you feel and you breathe is actually at a yeah. different pressure value than the air outside in the park. And I'm not sure well, how many people noticed this, but it is. It's different. That is a really important point there because that is actually recognizing the fact that the body is in a particular physical space and actually trying to account for it. Whereas I feel like, especially when you're talking about like the, the, you know, the, the, the commercially available like VR systems, like, you know, the Oculus, you know, PlayStation VR and so forth, like they kind of can't account yeah. for those things because the, the system itself, the device has to be portable in a way that what you're talking about, though, is actually sort of framing an entire context around the person whereas the sort of the failingness, if that's what we're going to call it, of things like, you know, either Facebook's projects or whatever VR project you want to talk about, part of the problem is its portability. Like the portability is like failing to acknowledge the sort of like world position, if that's a thing, of the individual who's using it. Whereas what you're talking about actually is an explicit recognition of that fact. Yes. And that is why I wanted to talk about the success of that, right? Because now I know yeah. that you could say, well, Lauren right? Disney World isn't a virtual reality. Well, it's like, a, yeah, well, Lauren, <laughs> Disney World isn't a virtual reality. It's like, you know, an extension of reality or like it's a fake reality. It's like going to a haunted house. I love I'm that like, your critic is so nasally. <laughs> I mean, aren't all critics nasally? <laughs> you always do this. Whenever whenever you hypothesize your own critic, it's like, well, Lauren, I'm holding my nose. <laughs> I think it's because I can do it really well in that, yeah. um, I mean, I have allergies. And so, like, being nasally is just, like, my default. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. okay. Okay, but why? Okay, so then why is it a, a virtual reality experience in your mind? Okay. In my mind, it's a virtual reality experience because it is recreating, right, a simulated environment. And while that environment is, there's two things. While Disney World might not be virtual, right? It is very much a simulated experience, just like yes, a haunted house. Very much, yeah. And the only thing that, right, we can kind of blur the line between virtual and not virtual is let's look at augmented reality, right? You are now in a different place, just like you were in a different, you could say different country. Now that is a very real world, but it is, right, in Disney World's, you know, area and in Star Wars, it is a fantasy world, right? That yeah. world does not technically exist. And so they are recreating it for you to give the best experience possible. 
in things like the sandbox VR or these other VR worlds, this is where when I talk about like a like a distinction between a hardware and software problem is that hardware isn't just say Oculus Rift's portability, though I do think that's correct. Like it being portable, like dramatically, right, decreases what you're actually able to do. Yeah. Hardware to me also means, right, the fans that are in sandbox VR that blow the winds when you're like <laughs> pirates defeating the zombies or something. And like yeah. everyone feels the wind from the same direction. Right. And that's incredibly important in a multiplayer experience. And so this is kind of bridging to our original gap, right, of yeah. the metaverse and trying to create like an extension where I was like, have you not played an MMO? Is that <laughs> Even or, if we or had, second life for that matter. Or second life or IMVU or yeah, yeah. AOL. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, like Yeah, yeah. Have you never that's what I'm saying. And honestly, there are there are the normal people of the world that really do not understand why people might love Skyrim, right? Or want to escape. And we look at this with Quantic Foundry and other like player motivation profiles, right? Where it's like, why do you enjoy this game? Why do you enjoy this game? And like what they found is that, wow, people are different and enjoy games for different reasons. Oh my gosh, wow. Sorry. Yeah. I actually really respect Quantum Foundry. So if any of you are listening, thank you so much for all your research. I really appreciate you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that that's what I'm trying to get at, right? Yeah. So for my inner, inner nasally critic, um, I definitely would write, argue that Disney World is a akin to a virtual reality experience just yeah. in the same way that right we're trying to recreate the metaverse in a kind of screen portable oculus format at this moment like is not something that the human body i think can overcome with the hardware that is available to us yeah. and that there are some successes of virtual reality either in multiplayer or in simulated like real world right environments and a lot of it comes from theater Right? A lot of it comes from trying to figure out how to use existing technology in unique ways yeah. right? to recreate the experiences that we, at the end of the day, right, we think that a planet would be this way. We think that Star Wars would, right? Does that make sense? Like, you're yeah. imagining this fictional universe, you know? Well, I think in many ways... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to posit a thesis here that I think part of maybe the problem with VR as it's currently constituted technologically, you know, with the with the obvious exception of the sort of, I guess you could say, in per, like simulated experiences that you get within, you know, modern amusement parks. It's possible that the problem with VR is that it splits the difference too much. In other words, because one of the things that I noticed with at the risk of giving away the goods from the book, although this isn't the entirety of the argument, so you'll still have to buy the book. Um, one of the games that I played that I actually had the least problems with was Lone Echo. And the reason why I had the least problem with it is because it wasn't actually trying to simulate a human body. It actually was a very dissociated experience. And so, like, I didn't experience the sort of the dysphoria that you would, or so that I would typically when, like, you know, I was doing the things like, you know, the like the little tutorial thing in Oculus or even in a game like Beat Saber, where because it hypothesizes a human body as sort of like, you know, the central like gameplay subject, or the central like avatar. Like in those instances, I felt a greater experience of vertigo precisely because there was this like attachment to my sense of my own sense of my body. And then what is sort of like being hypothesized in the game, whereas in the case of lone echo, what is hypothesized in the game is completely different from a human body. And so it's, it's 
unique traversal mechanics and like all of that stuff because it doesn't feel like being in yourself. Like I never had that because like I said before, it, the, the problem is that sense of like the disconnect between what you're seeing, you know, between the sensory information you're being fed and the other sensory information that your body is providing. Whereas if your body like knows that those two things aren't supposed to be related in any way, then it's easier to sort of like tolerate or get past whatever, I guess you could say like, you know, nausea inducing things that might happen. Whereas in situations where it's like, I'm, or like, you know, you're playing a game like, I haven't actually played Half-Life Alex because it was too expensive for, for me to buy just solely for the purposes of writing this chapter. But when you're supposed to be more like a human being, a human person acting in those environments, then the disconnect comes into play precisely because your body is like, okay, this is supposed to be like a human body, but it doesn't feel like a human body. Whereas in in other cases, if it's not telling you that this is supposed to be a human body, then your body won't object to it, you know, viscerally in that way that it often can. And so I think that's part of, and so then what you're talking about, Lauren, is then sort of the flip side of that. The reason why it works is precisely because it's gone the complete other direction. Rather than dissociating, it's recognizing, it's trying to be more associated. It's trying to sort of like be a more perfect encapsulation of the, like the total body experience of a simulation. In other words, trying to be more like a holodeck than, you know, a VR headset, you know, if we want an analogy. Yeah. And I think that's why I, I said, let's just look at it from a game design perspective. Because like those three principles, right, are the, I'm not trying to say like these tried and true methods for success, right? What I'm saying is these are the three principles like I have seen when we yeah. are designing for VR games. And I think what Nicholas is pointing out here is something really astute, which is that the games that are successful right now in VR with the limited technology are not trying to recreate the human body experience, which is incredibly limited to those of the developers, right? Unless you can yeah. get like a human body of every single person, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's something fundamentally ableist about a lot of- Yes, there's <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> so knowing that, right, is that if- the experience of VR will be successful as it recognizes what it actually has control over. Right? Yeah. And I think that the experiences that are total body experiences, like I think this is a aspiration, right? Like yeah. I would love to, like I was very, I was the dot hack fan, right? Like sword yeah. art online, you know, <laughs> like anything where it's like, I am completely immersed in this very fantasy world and this cool experience, right? Hopefully I am not trapped and or like at risk of dying for real, <laughs> but like at least, right? Like there's something really exciting about being lost in a fantasy world. And that's why I kind of brought up Skyrim because people have tried to play Skyrim in VR because it is and yeah. have like the giant treadmills and like now you're running around and like doing all of these things. Yeah. And I think that there is something really aspirational about that because we can't just go you know you can't you could larp okay yeah <laughs> with your friends but you have to like organize the event and find the larpers and then do you have real swords and like no you don't use real swords and then you know like there's something <laughs> yeah. haptically you know you can recreate that in like a role play setting but like having enough people doing that is much greater in a virtual setting where the conceit of, well, now I am randomly in Skyrim and actually have magic and I can physically see things, right? Like, the, why is that not an aspiration, right? Who doesn't want to be, you know, a wizard, Harry? Like, <laughs> come on. There's all these worlds is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and yeah. I think at the end of the day, the most like fundamentally successful VR things will probably take us out of being 
a human, right? And leaving those to more, I would hope, like real world experiences, all of this like pandemic and COVID notwithstanding, right? Where they can actually kind of either take over the whole right human body, the chip thing, yeah. Yeah. or right, you be you play the camera, right? That's following another adventurer. Yeah. Right. You play, you are like the droid, right? I don't know exactly what Half-Life Alex is like, but like when you play as something that is not supposed to move with your feet, right? Yeah. Maybe you hover like a camera. Like, I think that could be really successful. Well, so the thing is like in games where you actually, so in Lone Echo, the traversal mechanics, because you're in zero gravity the entire time, you literally do have to like physically grab onto like, something in the virtual environment and like push yourself off of it otherwise you also have um on the controls there that's pretty, pretty clever yeah i actually well, haven't no, played well, it, it uses it uses that but also there are like little hand thrusters that you have as well if you're just like free floating around and you need to move towards something you can actually have like i believe it i can't i can't remember i think it is the triggers are for the um the little like thrusters that will move you well, I think what's interesting is that like the VR games that I have prototyped with like other developers, whether it's in a professional setting or unprofessional, like unprofessional being like game jams. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Still a professional <laughs> setting, but so in a, unprofessional, so unprofessional. <laughs> whether I have gotten paid for it with money, money or not gotten paid for it and paid for it itself with my time. Um, wow. It has either been like audio experiences, right? So it's been experiences where it's actually relied more on sound unless I'm physically moving. Yeah. Um, second have been things like I'm standing and operating on a deck or I'm picking up something and I'm throwing it like within my 10 by 10 meter box. Yeah. Um, also like another game that I, well, I didn't work on this game, but I did work at the studio for uh, Lucky's Tale. Um, that was actually a really fantastic VR experience because yes, I was the camera and I was control. I used a regular controller and was controlling like Lucky, who was the fox, like through a platformer. Yeah. And what made that game a really fun game, I'm not an experience, okay, was that there were puzzles and things that required me as the camera to move my head around to kind of see where I need to go. Yeah. And I was like, man, it would be really cool if we did more of this. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it was actually like, I am a game that is not supposed to be played on flat screen. Like, I'm just a game that you need to have the screen attached to your head because your head is going to look around the level to see where you need to like steer lucky. Right. So I think that like there are these right experiences that unfortunately because of the metaverse and because of like this terrible marketing term, right now, like we feel like all of the big bucks are not in just crafting these really unique like experiences. Like this is a platformer you can only play on Oculus. Like I feel like that would sell more Oculus copies than here is a place where we finally gave you feet on your avatars. Yeah, no. Oh my Lauren, god. Yeah. Well, Lauren makes actually a very good just basic industry point, which is that people seem to forget that like prior to like actually coming like essentially buying like first party titles for itself, the Xbox didn't do very well. It really wasn't until Halo that the Xbox really came into its own. And having those, so the thing is, like, you can't just have the hardware. In many ways, that's probably part of the problem that VR has, is that, like, VR is trying to be developed as a hardware that is portable in the other sense, where it's sort of, like, independent of other things. It'd be, you know, software being, as as we said before, like, you know, the human body. But that's a problem precisely because that's a failure to recognize how 
it's an analogous systems have worked in the past. Like, you know, most people nowadays wouldn't buy a PC if it didn't have an operating system installed. Like that would be ridiculous. I mean, I do that because I build PCs, but that's a really, that's a big fucking annoyance (laughs) to have to deal with. It absolutely is. Like when I, I mean, when I was growing up, like PCs had an operating system. Like I didn't realize that you could get an operating system and buy it separately because like, that's just, my parents weren't technological. They had a tech friend who would like install it. Like I knew you had to call a guy to come to the, the house to like repair the computer and do these fun things with CDs and floppy disks and like somehow things were I don't know magic right like I knew that would happen because I blue screened uh, the PCs that he built several times <laughs> so that that I knew very well yeah. um, and so I think that it's these it's these minor things right like yeah you buy a console now that doesn't come with games yeah and I'm not saying that you used to buy consoles that came with games what I'm saying is that you buy a console because you recognize there are games you want to play on that console yeah and right now. I would love to buy a VR headset because I want to play Half Like Alex and I want to play Vader Immortal. I want to pay, play like Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. I want to play these games. You know, I've actually heard Squadrons is great because you're just like in Microsoft Flight Simulator. Like that's probably the yeah. most popular game in VR right now, right? Because yeah. you're like, wow, I'm a pilot. I'm sitting down on my butt and I'm controlling an <laughs> airship, right? Yeah. Like that's and then no offense to, to pilots, but I'm just saying, right? Like pilots just sit on their ass doing nothing. <laughs> no, I fly a lot. I love you all. No. Um, I will say that at least there our lives are in tandem. If like a pilot just doesn't like me, like he can't just start doing barrel rolls. There's like a yeah, hundred more people on that flight. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, that is that is true. But I will say that like that those are the experiences, right? That I've heard are very successful in VR. But it's because the hardware matches like the limitations of the body. And yeah. the body, right, can, like, cognizantly, right, match the limitations of the hardware. Yeah. So I think, actually, that's a really great place to end it for this week. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we also have a Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com forward slash foodie um, On the Patreon, you will get bonus episodes um, every other week, if that's a thing that you're interested in. Um, soon, at the at the higher tier at the Fruity Dashi classroom level, you'll get access to drafts of our book project. So, you know, these things that we keep hinting at soon, you'll actually have, you'll be able to inject it directly into your veins. If that is the kind of thing that you would like to do. So head on over to Patreon for that. Um, Lauren is on Twitter. She is at the Lauren Ash. I am at academic Cality. Um, also the, the pod itself has a Twitter account. You know, for the at least for the near future, who knows what's going to happen with Twitter <laughs> in, the, in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm.